This is the TRA Channel Podcast. Watch the opportunity with Trevor Clark, Mark Isles, and Tim Dillon. Hi everyone, this is Trevor Clark from Tech Research Asia and you're joining us for the TRA channel podcast, Watch the Opportunity. Um, hope you're all doing well. Joining me today is Mark Isles and Tim Dillon. Gentlemen, how are you doing? Not too bad, Trevor. How are you? I'm, I am super. I am super. We're getting warm weather where I am at the moment, so I'm, I'm, I'm feeling kind of good. Um, today we're going to talk uh, a little bit around um, something that's, that's making a bit of a comeback. Um, at the moment, particularly in countries across Asia Pacific that have, you know, had fairly successful uh, responses to the the COVID nineteen situation, and in person events are making a comeback for things. So we're going to talk a little bit about roundtables, um, and you know what to do, what not to do, and why it's a it's a great opportunity for for channel partners um, to actually go ahead and do. Um, but before we do that, uh, any news this week, guys? Anything you've you've seen come up that uh, that's caught your eye? Yeah, um, we need to to put uh, install the Russian keyboard version on our PCs, guys. We're uh, we're exposed to ransomware, and uh, according to uh, Krebs on security, I don't know if you guys saw this uh, last week. He came out with a little comment which basically said, um, you know, you could try it as a bit of a, of a vaccine shot against uh, ransomware attack um, because some of the the threat actors uh, blacklist certain countries from being targeted. And uh, so his 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 comment was that you know if you've got uh, a Russian keyboard installed, the uh, the ransomware scans notices that like oh no yeah you're in Russia that's uh, potentially you know where I am as well so uh, I'm I'm not going to hit you just in case I, I get into trouble with the local authorities. Um, it was it was kind of funny and then the, the guys over at MZSoft uh, in New Zealand who pretty much know what they're doing with ransomware I think um, came and went yeah no. Um, you can try. It might <laughs> work in one or two two places, uh, but um, you know, Darkside, for example, will will blow through that in a in a heartbeat and, and kind of say, well, yeah, do it properly. You get two FA and, and VPNs, and, and you know, maybe that's your security approach as opposed to installing a Russian keyboard. It, it just kind of made me made me smile. Yeah. It'd be it'd be also, like also I could imagine. Uh, I could imagine the fun as well of, frankly, installing a Cyrillic keyboard because it's bad enough for me trying to find a pound sign on an American one, <laughs> let alone with a Cyrillic alphabet. I was going to say it'd be it'd be like going out with your friends and you and you have a few drinks and someone grabs your phone and changes it to some random language which you don't understand and you can't change it back <laughs> to, to English so that you know you can't use your phone. It's yeah. just it's just brick. Yeah, in my defence, yeah. that's really funny when people realise that you've changed it. <laughs> oh, that's a fascinating one. Um, I, 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 yeah, those uh, those ransomware stories just keep coming, don't they? I, I think every week so far, every episode so far, we've talked about them. It's it's certainly something that keeps the keep the attention. Anything else you've seen in the news this week? And a lot of news from AWS this week. So a lot of focus from them. They're obviously running their events, um, so they're in uh, in kind of uh, heavy PR mode. So lots of stuff being pushed out from them. Yep. Yep. I also saw uh, another couple of data centers uh, being built in Jakarta this week, which I found interesting. I think um, we're starting to see uh, that Indonesian market start, particularly from actual infrastructure capabilities and from a you know a core data center infrastructure capabilities. It's really starting to mature. It's um it's quite good to see, considering for so long it you know it was that 
next big thing is Indonesia because it's got a big you know population and all that stuff. But it's it's actually now got um, got some some quite good facilities and, and good services there. So maybe we'll we'll touch on that one as as a as a future episode to talk to. Mm. But um, today we're going to get on to uh, roundtable roundtable events. Um, TD, how many how many roundtables have you done now? Uh, it's over two hundred. Um, a few, enough. <laughs> enough. I was going to keep it tally because I, I reckon I'm yeah. I'm getting close to two hundred, or or if I've not passed that mark mm-hmm. already. But and Mark, how about you? You, you would have you would have caught up close quickly. Uh, yeah, months. I'm probably yeah I'm probably close to a hundred. I would figure by now. So yeah, and and I think as we've all noticed, you know, with much as we now just had the Melbourne lockdowns, but from a, a, a COVID point of view, they're just starting to come back a little now, which is kind of good to see. So, mm. yeah. you, You've done a few in the last couple of weeks, haven't you, Tim? Yeah, I've been doing some with Cobalt. They've been good. They've been Actually, it's been interesting, those ones. They've been a mix of um, both uh, enterprise, but also the partner community, and, and coming at it in different ways, obviously, um, and, and separate. Mixing the two in the same room can be interesting at times. Everybody's looking to wave a PO under somebody else's nose, but um yeah they've look i i love them I, I it's a cliche by now for me I, I reckon they're like a paid university degree every day every time i do them you come out of it and go huh, didn't think of that or wasn't aware of that um but yeah we've there's, there's quite a few um covid covid knocked us sideways we were, we were meant to be in uh, new zealand next week uh, uh doing a few more as well over there but yeah we i've got probably another dozen or so lined up over the next couple of months, um, it's it's like I, I'm I, I'm like you, Tim. I for me personally speaking, if it's if it's not a one-on-one session, you know, with with a a team or an, an individual IT or business leader talking about technology, then the 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 next best, or if not as good for me, is that peer discussion in an intimate group setting, yeah. you know, of executives yeah. every yes. time. It wins as, as long as you can get them talking. <laughs> yeah. I remember yeah. doing one many years ago for a telco, and they had uh, the the CIO of um, I won't name the state, but uh, from the the police force, uh, who ran the specials group. Yeah, so that's all the mm. undercover stuff, right? And then all the stuff that they can't really go public about. Mm. Because you, you know, get the discussion goes rolling, it's going really well. You get it, and so Mr. John Smith, you know what? What are your th- oh, I can't talk about it. And it was like running into a brick wall. Yeah. So you just said, okay, why don't you just absorb what everybody else is talking about here? But yeah, the sharing, and it's, a, it's incredible how that peer exchange, you know, there've been some, some, some things in some of the ones I've done on and off over the years where you think, wow, you know, you haven't ever publicly admitted that. And, and, Yet the, the the comfort zone of, of being able to share, I mean, you've got to have another like Chatham House rule at least, mm. or at, at, at the very least as a as a guideline. But um, it's incredible when that that sharing happens. Um, it's brilliant. Yeah, you just show up and listen, right? It's it's really good. so. So maybe maybe it's a good idea for anyone who's not familiar with what a roundtable actually is and what we're talking about. Um, uh, from our perspective, and correct me, jump in, correct me where you know I differ from you guys on this, but from our perspective, usually a roundtable event is where you get um, 
people of a of a similar level, so peers from a similar level from organisations to attend in person, um, although virtual ones I still think are very relevant and very uh, very useful as well. But in person ones are typically better at a nice venue. Um, and you get them talking on a particular topic um, as peers. Now, as a sponsor of that event, whether you're a vendor or whether you're a service provider or whether any type of company that's trying to do things, you also participate in that event as a peer, not as someone who's trying to sell something to people. Um, and typically, you know, it goes, you have a nice lunch or, or a dinner or a breakfast, and it typically goes from anywhere from an hour to two and a hours. And We've had some sessions. I remember Tim going, you know, all the way through to to late night drinks, uh, starting at lunchtime. Sometimes, where it, you know, and, and it's really about getting people to open up and share their war stories, share their lessons learnt from from stuff that they've done, and to ask each other questions as well. Um, you know, and the goal being to to learn for everyone to learn, not to get leads. Now, I think that's an important distinction. You know, I think a lot of vendors or people who are doing roundtable events for the first time are just looking for the leads, which you normally will get. Um, let's don't get me wrong. It's it's absolutely a fantastic way to not just get a lead, but to already have your foot inside the door because you've had your first conversations with the attendees. Um, but it's really that it's really that that learning environment, um, those lessons learnt from those roundtables that where the the true value comes from, right? Yeah, look, uh, yes, and uh, there's my answer to that. But um, it, it's interesting when I look back across the ones that we've done, right? there, there are some that are absolutely where you've got a client who has organisations in that room that are perhaps they, they know each other and it's, mm. it's, a, it's a sharing and awareness and um, uh, that, that sort of knowledge exchange. And then there are others where... The, the client has targeted a list of organisations that are relatively cold and the premise of the discussion and the knowledge sharing and they are absolutely using it as an MQL into SQL flow. And that, mm. that can work. I think that you can you can do it from an exchange, you can do it as, a, as an awareness, you can do it for you know, generating interest for a follow-up. Where it really doesn't work though, and I, I, I've seen this spectacularly fail, uh, in a roundtable one day where a, a vice president arrived late to uh, the, the roundtable and it was his roundtable. Was this, at, this, was this at Key in Sydney? You know the one. And, uh, <laughs> I remember. And, um, yeah, sort of basically interrupted the proceedings um, and sat down and five minutes later stood up, put both hands on the desk and went, right, now let's talk about what we can do for you. And, and you know, the oxygen just vacuumed out of the room and it died so that the, the point that i'm really making is that you can use it for for awareness and education you can use them for warm leads and follow up a hard sell or have you booted out of that room and probably booted off the the, the enterprise's potential list of of um you know vendors very very quickly the minute you do a hard sell on these things you may as well just bury yourself in a coffin and close the lid Mm, yeah, I, I I too remember that, uh, and that that vendor who did that, uh, I remember mm. that we, we even blacklisted them as well, uh, we, which <laughs> yes. was which was you yep. know we don't we rarely do that, um, but that kind of hard sell really just um, no one wants to hear it. I I I I think there are a few things you you, you can do in a roundtable. So I, I do think that 
you know, you do need to make sure that people know what it is that you offer. Um, I've been to some roundtables where the people have just attended the participants the the, the CIOs and you know so forth have have joined it because they wanted a nice lunch and to talk to other people you know, mm. to get out of the office and they really didn't know what the vendor did you know um which was kind of weird because even at the end of the event they still didn't know what the vendor did um you you, you do have to to you know for some vendors that's quite easy but for others you know it's you've, you've got to explain who you are and what you do um at sometimes but and then it shouldn't be you shouldn't be shy of doing that, right? There's there's nothing wrong with with doing a, a a one or two minute at the start or a one or two minute at the end and saying, look, for those of you that don't know, da, 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 da. nothing wrong with that at all. Put it in that context, and it's absolutely fine. Um, it, and and you're right. It's interesting if you know, a rough rule of thumb that I'm kind of working to uh, for for these things now is that it's a third, a third, a third, and by that I mean. You've got a third of the people in the room that are there to to sort of hear and, and understand what everybody else is doing. You have a third that really probably have something that they need to raise and discuss with their peers because it's a problem or it's a it's a new project or it's an initiative for them that they're they're contemplating. And then the the final third, and and this is valid too. The final third are there because, yeah, it's a nice lunch. It's networking and they know in the next 12 months they're going to be looking for a new role and they're tapping their networks, you know, to, to position for that. Mm. And, you know, it, it sort of does break down almost, I think, over the years. It, it is that one third, one third, one third sort of split. Mm. Yeah, I think that's a good way of putting it. Um Okay, so let's 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 discuss things that you should do as a as a sponsor or as the host of the event. Um, I, I do want to talk about the cost of running some of these events a little bit afterwards. Not not obviously specifics on pricing, but I think it's an important question. But before that, what are the things you should do as part of these events? For me, um, it's always have a friendly in the room. Yep. Is a really so obviously we we spoke about don't don't hard sell you, you, that's something you just don't do, um, but you know do have do have something prepared that explains who you are. Number two, have some friendly ambassador like customers in the room who can talk about you know what they've done um, and are you know and you know are open to discussing stuff publicly you know and can 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 hold a good conversation. Um, that's always a really important one. What, what what other things would you guys suggest? I'm going to start with a, with a slightly odd one, maybe, but you you do have to think about where you're holding it. So it's it's mm. a classic thing, which is don't don't scrimp. And not that we're talking about budgets, but if you're going to do it, do it properly and choose the venue well, because people will judge the event or will decide whether they're going to come based on one the content and is it interesting, but secondly, is it somewhere that I potentially haven't been before or somewhere that I know is nice. You need to choose a good venue and not look for this is a great venue, but this one's you know five hundred dollars cheaper. Don't don't do it. The the venue is important, uh, and I think we touched on the other one as well, which is on oh, this is more a don't do than a do do. But no presentations at all. We get I get so many requests and people just going. We just want to do one or two slides, which means you then have to set the room up differently. You've got to think of don't do it. No slides at all under any circumstances. It's never one or two slides, is it? It's yeah, no, exactly. So because then the vice president wants to say something and he wants to talk to slides and you go, don't, don't do it. Ah, however, and here's the one time I found it worked. Uh, and, and it's actually been ironic because, because I'm, I would have right up until last week, I would have been hardcore on that as well. And in fact, the, the article we put out on LinkedIn said, do not do presentations. However, <laughs> the combat ones we did last week, 
actually, we, we used a presentation and TC. It was two slides, well, three. Um, and it was actually me talking about some research we'd done for Commvault on data readiness. And the reason we used the slides is we were talking about the messages that were out in the, in the report that was going out to the enterprise target group. And we were educating the, the partners about what the key messages were. So if, if I think if it's an enterprise group, I'm not a big fan of presentations at all, or uh, it does it does disrupt. It did work with the partner events we've just done because we were explaining to the partners, okay, and this is some of the key messaging that's in the report. This is some of the the the, the pictures that that Commvault is going to be taking to the enterprise customers. Get you know get yourself across this from the messaging perspective. In that case, it did seem to work, but it was, and I've got to stress this, it was five minutes, right? Yeah. It was bang, 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 and, I, and move. Uh, yeah, so, I, I agree, particularly if it's research, if it's product or, you know, sell or something, or, you know, or, or vendors trying to, you know, sell the context of digital transformation and cloud, blah, 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 doesn't work, but the research yeah. stuff does. I think it also works well in markets where, you may be holding the events in English and it's not their first language. Um, yeah. Or they're not as yeah. familiar with doing roundtable events, particularly if you're using it just as a prompt for the conversation. So I've done it in Japan here where we've just had basically five slides, five different charts or data points or, or you know um, things where you go, okay, first point is A, let's talk about that. Next point yeah. is B, and it makes it easier for some of them who aren't as familiar with having those kind of discussions um, to do it. So I think that's a good point. That what else? Well, for you with Sophos, and when you were doing some of the Asian briefings. Yeah, exactly. So we did a security one not too long ago where we, where we did exactly that. You know, and it's it, it it can it can also be you know that slide is the question to the audience so that they can actually see it and read it. They've got the data behind it, and it allows them a bit of time to prepare you know, their, their responses or to, you know, to come up with something to, to share with the audience. Um, so it's a, it can it can work for sure. Um, so what else? What else would you say? I mean, for me, Chatham House Rules is a must. Yeah, it's definite. And and, uh, and people people get Chatham House Rules wrong, by the way, at times. Firstly, it's singular. It's not Chatham House Rules. Mm -hmm. um, and yes. and, and the, the second point is it doesn't mean that what is discussed in the, in the session can't be discussed elsewhere. It's just that it cannot be attributed. Broadly, I mean, so I can say, look, a, a company that a roundtable said X, Y, Z. What I can't say is John Smith from Acme Co. said X, Y, Z, right? Mm. And 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 people sometimes aren't necessarily aware of that. Um, it's it's an important yeah. distinction. And yet, yeah, and yeah. I, I would add I would add to that as well that one of the things that I think you've done a few of these Tim as well, and uh, particularly where there's perhaps a series of them, you know, so there's multiple events perhaps in different cities, you know, in classic Australian style, particularly and and sometimes around Asia, uh, but where we would do a small write-up. So I think yeah. sometimes, you know, both part partners and vendors think it's a bit of a one-hit wonder. You run the event, everybody disappears, you follow up, and there's some networking. And, and you know, like I say, it's, a, it's a, a soft sell based on insights and peer sharing, right? That's the, the value. But often we'll do a, a quick write-up that can be used on LinkedIn that provides some value and some additional content that, as you say, is anonymous, but actually some of the richness of the conversation is super interesting to people and, and actually can become these kind of, you know, smaller bite-sized pieces of content that the marketing team can use. Yep. And, you, yeah. and you know what, that, that, is, that is a really good point because it's something that we've seen quite a lot um, around. There's often a disconnect between what the executive who attends the roundtable and talks about with those 
with the participants during the roundtable and then what the account manager follows up with afterwards, often they don't know what they're talking about. You know, so they haven't, they don't actually have some consistency between the roundtable, uh, you know, having something written up that says, here's what we discussed at this roundtable. And then that account manager actually going back through to that executive saying, hey, I know, I heard you went to this event, you know, we had the roundtable. And then sometimes many of them have gone and said, well, we don't actually know what you talked about. I just want to sell you something now, um, rather than actually continuing the conversation and learning what they were actually talking about at the event. So it's really important to make that connection between what your, what your, your follow-ups are going to be and, and what's actually discussed at the event itself. Super important. Yeah. And mate, you're actually hitting on a, a, a broader issue as well for roundtables is that there's a process to these things pre during and post, right? And mm. the follow-up and the collateral pieces, the excuse to go, look, you came to this round table, here's the summary, let's have a chat, you know, uh, is is one. And then the pre side of it is really critical as well. And, and sometimes uh, there's, well, not sometimes, there's a lot of work that goes into it. Yep, the venue, um, if you, you're friendly, or if you can't get a friendly, you know, we can, you know, we've done it in the past where we've spoken to a, a vendor customer and, and had a synthesis of what they've done and replayed that. But but going uh, going in cold is a no no, right? You cannot go in mm. at the start of a roundtable as a facilitator and go, yeah, hi guys and girls, you know, what do you want to talk about? Mm. And the and the process for gathering that information and intelligence to to then construct your agenda beforehand is really important. And there's there's a lot of pre work. Uh, with the vendor in terms of ensuring that you understand what their messages are, how you can work those in and out. And then you you have to build that discussion flow um, for, you know, for those two hours. Then you've got to be prepared to frankly go, oh, bollocks, that didn't work when you're halfway through it and chuck it out the window and then go with where the audience may, you know, may want to take the rest of the discussion. So you've got to be really well prepared. You can't go in cold. Um, as a as a courtesy to those attending, you've got to to reach out to them and understand what they want to talk about. And once you've built this really clever agenda and all your talking points, you may well find that you you have to be prepared that you're not going to get them through all of them, or you may not even get through half of them. And mm. that's just the way it works. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And the post yeah, the post some flexibility. Yeah. Yeah, there's got to be. If if you're rigid, it, it, it you know the whole point of these things is an open discussion, right? And you'll go down a rabbit warren in for a couple of minutes, and and sometimes that's incredibly beneficial, because you end up having people that weren't speaking suddenly light up and go, oh yeah, I want to talk about, it. and and then they become more comfortable with speaking amongst the group and sharing as you move the discussion back to where it should go. So, yeah, there's there's a whole lot of, uh, I, I won't say tricks, but there's 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 the the hacks prior to the event to make sure that the the flow works on the day mm. uh, and and going in cold is one of the worst things you can do thankfully you know i would say most of the clients we work with don't do that these days but mm. yeah so what what type of what type of guest should they be looking to to get at the round table and how many of them so I ask this specifically because you know, often that's the, you know obviously they're looking for the leads a lot of the time, um, but I, I think you've you've got to make from my perspective you've got to make sure you've got people of an, a relatively equal level, um, yep. so you don't want you know a low level dev coming in sitting at the table with you know a whole bunch of CIOs at enterprise style companies and someone's at a completely different scenario although they can learn from each other but you know typically there's an imbalance in the conversation there. Um, but, you know, 
I've also had events where you know you end up 40 50 people in the room and it's not a round table at that point in time it's it's a seminar <laughs> um, I, I mean from my from my perspective I typically say listen if you're getting to 18 19 people you've got too many people you've you've, you've got to kind of aim for that you know 10 to 15 for me is kind of the sweet spot but at the same time I've done events where there's three people in the room yeah. um, you know plus me and plus the vendor so you know you've got five people discussing stuff and it's been fantastic. You know, it's been one of the best roundtables because people have shared, they've gone into detail and totally valuable for all people at the who, who participated. Um, what about you guys? What, what would you say? Oh, we've got yeah, the biggest group of roundtable roundtables I've done was 30 across 10 across three tables. I was down at um, Aria actually down in Sydney. But um, look, if I, I'd say you can have a great discussion, as you say, TC. You three or four, fine. You can have a cracking discussion, uh, and it becomes very, very personal, and and it's great. I've seen some good sales results out of out of those ones. Um, you know, five five six is probably the minimum, uh, and then through to yeah. If you if you're getting to 18, 19, you've probably got enough. Just don't forget, then you'll have your your vendor representation and. And if it's a really good venue, then you'll have everybody else from the client wanting to come and suddenly you've got a, <laughs> a team lunch. Um, but yeah, look, if you if you anywhere between five to to twenty, and I know that's very, very vague, um, but you can you can run round tables easily up to twenty. Anything above that is starting to work pretty hard. But um, the the big thing for me is in that environment, there are some things you don't do. You don't do around the table and get everyone to introduce themselves and all that sort of stuff because half an hour. I hate that. I hate that. Yeah, yeah. look, you know, it works if it's small because you get them used to talking early in and they've opened up and, you know, that can help. But if it's a large audience, forget it. Um, and then the, the other thing I would say as a, uh, as a rule of thumb is probably no more than three vendor representatives in the room. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, yeah I, I, I often say two. And I'm sure yeah, I was, was going to say. I was going to say two. <laughs> yeah, I mean three. Three if it's if it's more. Yeah, for sure. But you know, sometimes it's that whole. Okay, we're going to seat each of our vendor people. Uh, you know, strategically positioned at the table, so they can cover as many as they can. Which you know, that's fine. You know, that, that's fine. But it's it's important that they remember that they're there as a peer, not as a. Absolutely. You know, I'm I'm, I'm going to I'm going to needle you for sales. Um, the other one I think is important is to be wary of the. How do I say this diplomatically? The 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 ones that people that just go to events consistently because they get a free lunch and they're out of the office and they're they're not really actually bringing anything that's that's you know new conversation or useful. They've just had three or four other events this week and they just constantly go to them the whole time. Um, there are some of those around the place, um, so be be wary of those. <laughs> I I don't know who I'm talking about. <laughs> Yeah, Actually, sure. I would add one other thing just to the to the numbers as well. I sort of obviously agree with you, agree with you on numbers. Uh, I I personally like two vendor representatives at the table, um, you know, spaced out, so people that can actually add value obviously to the conversation. Um, yeah. But I'm, I'm in terms of actually taking notes. So if we are doing those multi-event ones where we're actually capturing some of the information, it's sometimes interesting to have somebody that's not at the core table but is sat off to the side doing manual handwritten notes because we get a lot of, I see a lot of nervousness from people with recording the sessions and we should probably talk about that. I'm not yeah. necessarily a big fan. It makes the notes much easier obviously to capture because you can capture the richness of the dialogue. 
but it does and it creates actually legal issues for some customers as well being recorded yeah, so. agreed agreed yeah. i I mean, my background as a journalist, and, and I've been involved in some media events where they've asked us to come in and help them as well. A lot of the journos and, and editors will, will love to stick their recorder on the table and start recording things. Uh, same. I'm I'm also like, mm, just take notes. If you really want to use something afterwards, you follow up with them after the event and get their permission and approval to use it. Um, you know, the other the other the the handwritten notes should just be handwritten notes for internal use only, not shared. It's you know, it's basically the Chatham House rule. Um, whereas the, a recording can be uh, can be cut and used and everything else. You got to be careful with it very much. Yeah, yeah. I, I saw it once. It was a CEO from one of the large mining companies, um, and we we sat down to lunch and um there was a journalist present and um the journalist uh basically popped the recording device down and turned it on and that particular CIO just stood up and legally I cannot be here thank you very much I'm going and walked straight out again mm -hmm. and unfortunately he was also a draw card <laughs> and hmm. this, this kind of a key speaker yeah. and um I I think the recording is is you just shouldn't do it taking notes yep yeah follow up notes for discussion later on or grab an action point for the vendor fine and i always say that at the start you'll see me taking notes it's for these reasons boom 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 please don't be concerned that you know i wind up in it news or you know wherever yeah. it is tomorrow um it's it's legitimate right um mm. the other th i just i just want to come back to something i saw work really actually really well surprisingly and it was it was combo combo in in uh, melbourne uh for their enterprise customers uh, for the first couple of minutes, in fact, it, it became about a, a sort of almost a half hour session, Q&A session at the start of the, the roundtable. They um, teamed in their CEO from the US hmm. and, he, and, and it became an open discussion uh, with the CEO on a, on a Zoom call, actually, um, and he was doing Q&A. He took every question under the sun, he was talking about this was uh, for a specific industry sector so what combot was doing in that space and sharing ideas and and it was absolutely fascinating to see the the, the roundtable participants who were kind of thinking oh okay here's a screen and suddenly the ceo pops up and and 30 seconds later they're in this really great strong discussion about you know where the company was going what they were doing what they were seeing in that sector and you know, did that mirror what was in Australia and you know had you thought about this and and swapping all this sort of information and ideas and I was really surprised at that it worked incredibly well and I would have gone yeah maybe let's try it not expecting a big result it, and it I'm, I know it's something that they're, they're contemplating for, for for other sessions and it's a really nice touch if you can get your global CEO in the room for final mm -hmm. tips in, in some cases, not all of them, but it was just it was just different, right? It was nice to see something different. I, I, That's very cool. Yeah, yeah, I like that idea a lot. I, I, mm. I, I I'm big fan, as you said before, having a draw card of some form or another, um, you know, whether it's a, a customer that's a key logo customer that people can learn from, whether it's a CEO, whether you know it's a global, local expert that you know of repute, uh, of good repute, would is always is always welcome that people can you know ask. Honest, legitimate questions is is, is great. Well, this this yeah. one they did as a um, as a uh, as a surprise. There was, there was no warning of it. It was just like, here's a <laughs> excellent, excellent. It was good. It was it was a pretty cool. And and yeah. in, and you know what? It's a, it's a good point as well because one of the other things is you don't just have to have tech people. 
when you're Nothing. invited, when you're having technology, no. and we, obviously we typically have technology leaders in the room, but you, you can invite other people which are not technology leaders to join. Like I've seen sessions where I've invited lawyers in to talk about privacy regulation, et cetera, yeah. um, you know, what they need to do. Uh, there's a whole range of different ones. You know, I've had workplace specialists join, yeah. uh, a whole range of different ones where, you know, they get so much more value out of it because they're asking something from a, a different perspective and, they, you know, they're getting real advice from someone who's, not just another tech leader, but has, you know, other other life capabilities and experiences. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen I've done a couple of great roundtables with um, some academics. Um, you know, even sort of the local universities, you know, Melbourne, Adelaide and Sydney have got some really great sort of thought leaders in, you know, in a variety of different areas that people just want to hear from, right? Well, we had, I remember one of our events, we had uh, we had uh, Radek Sali, one of the, the former hey. CEO of Swiss, join us and, and so forth. And he said the amount of follow-ups he got from people was great. You know, he, he had great, and Rad's not a tech guy. He's very smart, you know, knows his technology, but he's not a, you know, he's not an IT CIO leader sort of thing. He's a, he's a definitely on the business side of things. But, um, you know, you learn lots from from those different perspectives and it helps you challenge your assumptions mm. and hopefully get some new ideas but let me i, I want to i just realized yeah. we are we are heading on a little bit it's it's obviously a uh round tabs are obviously something that we 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 love to do and i'd I, and i'd actually say if anyone asks me if they're going to do any kind of event doesn't matter what type of company they are i would always put forward a round table as the first thing if they're going to spend some money on something, from my perspective, a roundtable is typically, particularly if you do it in that integrated fashion, as we spoke before, you know, you capture the ideas, you, you also use that as content post-event, you use it as account-based marketing directly to a customer, et cetera. I, I'm always for it. You know, I, I really see a, a bad case for it. But one of the questions that I that I do get back from us sometimes is, is it really worth it? You know, I'm going to be spending a lot of money and there's only going to be 20 people in the room. How would you guys respond to that? Yeah, I do. Look, I think people get very hung up on cost per lead, you know, because you get somebody will analyze it and go, it costs X, you know, times the package for food and wine, times the venue plus X, and, and you go to this cost per lead thing. If if that's really where your focus is, then I I think it's misguided. Uh, these really should be kind of thought leadership style events where your brand positioning and positioning yourselves at the forefront of whatever your field is with your customers and providing value to your customers. That's the lens that you should have on this, not, you know, well, how much is it per lead, you know, versus running a telesales campaign? It's not the right perspective. I, I, I yep. Jim, yeah. you were going to say something? Oh, violent agreement with that, right? It's, <laughs> if, if it's going to come down to a cost per lead, you're never going to do a round table. But, like, you know, let's be basic about yeah. it. By the time you <laughs> venue, delegate recruitment, uh, food and bev, possibly travel, uh, you know, and all the fees that, that wrap around it, um, it, it, it can be a, a, a sticker item that makes your eyes water when you think, well, that's, you know, two grand per lead. You're not going to do it. If you're chasing mass market, you don't do round tables. Mark's right. It's it's a targeted event. It, part of it is relationship. You know, I look back at some of the clients we've worked with where they've had a new uh, regional VP come into their role they've been using those roundtables as almost a, a, a starting the relationship, meet and greet, and an education about, you know, the company and so forth. It's it's really meant to be a value-added touch. It's meant to be, God forbid, thought leadership or at least highly educational. I hate the phrase thought leadership, but they're, you're doing it to add value to a relationship or to start a relationship where that 
possible client looks at you and goes, okay, this is an organization that's solid. They know what they're doing. They're, they're in interesting spaces. They have a clear vision for where the market and their technology or their solution is going. I can see my company being aligned with theirs as a long-term partner. If you're doing it purely as a transactional supplier uh, customer approach, you know, you'll never be happy with a round table. These are about building sustainable partnerships between an enterprise and a vendor. That's yeah. that's my opinion. Uh, yeah, I agree. And in, in the, the context of things, I see too many people focusing on these events as acquisition activities, and they're not. In the world that we live in now, where it's more service oriented, it's more around customer success, the customer journey, customer retention. These are events that you run to your existing clients. And you may have a, you know one or two perhaps new clients that you run, but this is part of the value add that keeps them as customers of yours. Mm. Yep. Uh, I, yes. I do I do see some some also some relationship building for for new clients there as well. You know, you can do events with more, but I, I do agree it's it's a it's a customer touch. Uh, it's a customer success conversation, whether they're prospective or existing, um, from my perspective. Um, I, so I, I, I would just say I, I, I'm kind of going to take a, a just a, a slightly contrarian view of that a little bit. I probably would say that of all the roundtables I've done since the start of this year, I, the majority have been with new target clients so they've been targeted uh, by the vendor they want to they want to bring that enterprise on as as a long-term customer and they're using the round table as a means of part of that communication and engagement strategy to 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 you know to to make the sale mm. um, the expectation that every every delegate there is going to be a, a you know a commercial win isn't the case but it, if you get three, one, two, even one follow-up as a result with a new logo, then your your spend has very much been worthwhile. So there, yeah. there's a relationship, yeah. I agree, Mark, there's a, there's a relationship part to it, absolutely, and it is a value add. You know, we've done that with our clients where we do them on a regular cadence and it's part of that ongoing high-level engagement that they have and that works really nicely. But, you know, they do work for... Mm. Uh, you know, sales wins, but don't expect them as a volume play, right? It's, it's, it's just yeah. doesn't work. Well, one of the other things I would would add as well, um, you know, just just drawing it back a little bit to that that cost question, is there are ways you can, you know, reduce that initial overlay? Because I know some of the some of the service providers that do events, you know, some of the event management companies that you'd you'd find ANZ or across the region, up here in Japan, anywhere you go, they can charge through the teeth. You know, they, they some of them will, will will charge you know twenty five thirty thousand dollars for one roundtable. Um, you know, that's that's just out of out of price range for a lot of um, smaller companies in particular. But there are ways, and I've I've worked with with some companies where they've done it a different way. As you said, they don't skimp on the venue. Or they actually make the venues or the experience something new and different. So you don't always have to have you know five star, uh, you know Michelin three star restaurant sort of approach to things. You can do something that's different for people. That's, that's something they haven't done before. Um, if you've got internal people um, to do your recruitment or your guesting, as it's sometimes called, to get people to participate, um, or you use a LinkedIn campaign, that can also be very, very cost-effective for you to get people to come yeah. and attend. 
right? And I, I mean, I remember doing some with with Sitecore, where everything was done by an internal events manager that just used LinkedIn campaigns to invite people to come along, and every event across. You know, we did we did uh, we did Newcastle, we did Sydney, we did Melbourne, Brisbane, we did uh, Adelaide. We also, I think, we did Tasmania as well. We did Hobart. You remember? And that was that was all that was all done through LinkedIn. Um, yep. LinkedIn campaigns and 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 it worked really really well um, and it brought that cost down and there's the other the other part of doing that is they also leverage their MDF with their key vendors and you don't have to do all of this by yourself you can do it in collaboration with other people so I guess my point is really that they are accessible you know you don't have to take that that initial sticker price which you may see from a, from an event management company. There's ways of doing these really, really effectively and at a pretty good cost price with a great return on it. So, you know, as I said, though, the, the cost shouldn't be the main thing. But if it is something which, you know, prevents you from building that business case as a as a smaller company or even as a vendor uh, and trying to sell that internally, there's ways around that. Um, and, you know, you really should explore them from my from my perspective. Yeah, I agree on that. Good thoughts. Yeah. All right. Well, we're all for we're all for roundtables. If anyone wants to talk about more of them with us, by all means, please reach out to any of us. We, we, we'd happily, as you can probably tell, keep going and going and going and talking about them because they're wonderful. They are they're great. They are great. Uh, they are great uh, mechanisms for people to get uh, excellent contacts and to add a lot of value to their relationships with their clients. So, thanks very much, gentlemen, for joining me today. Do appreciate your time and thoughts. And thank you very much, everyone else, for listening. This was the TRA Channel Podcast. Watch the opportunity, and we'll catch you next time. Have a great day. Have a great week.